Hello and welcome to the Intentional Soul, the home for the highly functioning spiritual types out in the world. It is here that we look at the world and ourselves through the lens of higher consciousness, connecting deeply to who and what we really are. Now, my name is Tom Ross, spiritual teacher, healer, spiritual nonconformist, and I am your host for these conversations. On the Intentional Soul, we hear not only from me, but from people who are living intentionally, openly, and authentically in their world. We'll hear their stories of personal transformation while sharing best practices and tactics to help you get the most out of this game called life. Now, nothing is off limits as we seek to expand ourselves and our awareness and live, ultimately, our most authentic lives. Let's dive in. All right, with us is Matthew Ferry. Matthew is a spiritual teacher, trainer, and coach hired by high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals seeking peace of mind. So for nearly 30 years, Matthew Ferry has taught thousands of top performers to achieve enlightened prosperity through his books, masterminds, and live events. Matthew is the co-founder of the Center for Rapid Enlightenment. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller, Quiet Mind Epic Life, and the creator of The Mental Journey to Millions. He's also my mentor, my teacher, my collaborator, and my friend. Matthew, welcome to The Intentional Soul. Good to be here, and I'm excited about making a difference for our listener. Sweet. I don't know. Are we listening and viewing? I don't know what we're doing. We we will probably be listening and viewing uh, at, at some point. Maybe not at the same time, especially if you're driving. All right, good. So... I know you, I know your story. Uh, I would love for you, if you wouldn't mind, tell us, the listener, a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure thing. I I think I've always been one of those weirdos who uh, thought that the world was something more than just material. Uh, When I was nine, I started uh, leaving my body on a regular basis. I have no idea why or what it was. That must have been intense. It was intense. And I kept having these feelings of uh, that everything, everything we believe is bullshit and that the entire framework of reality is a lie and that all the rules are not real, uh, which, of course, is extremely disconcerting to a nine year old. And I had no one to talk to about it. Uh, Instead, I turned to uh, everything that I possibly could to try and understand what I was experiencing. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. I was a rock star when I was a kid. I was studying. You know, at 12, I went and got my first communion. At 13, I was reading the Bhagavad Gita. I started to practice. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. At 13, you're reading the Bhagavad, uh, Bhagavad Gita. Yep. That's light reading for uh, for a teenager. It didn't make any sense to me, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably am influenced by it uh, in the things that I do. Uh, you know, I thought about it and assimilated and worked on it a long, you know, I'm 55 now. So, you know, 13 was a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I practiced things like astral travel and trying to project my consciousness. And and ultimately, I ended up working in the personal development industry with my father. He was and is one of the top real estate sales trainers in the world. And he was mentored by a man named Earl Nightingale. And Earl Nightingale was mentored by a man named Napoleon Hill. And so my lineage kind of comes from that now personal development success development process, but I've always had a spiritual twist to the process and not spirituality like, um, not spirituality like religion, uh, spirituality like uh, how do I experience joy and peace and flow and happiness and, and 
kick ass and have an awesome life at the exact same time. So, you know, through many, 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 many uh, personal experiences and coaching experiences that I ultimately ended up developing something called the rapid enlightenment process. And that's where you find me today. Love it. One of the promises of this show is literally everything we do from the most mundane, you know, to the most out there woo woo kind of conversation is essentially for the sake of practicality and functionality uh, in our lives. So will you talk a little bit about the practical benefits of bringing spiritual perspectives and enlightenment into your daily or business life? Yeah, you bet. It's it's extremely practical to take on uh, methods that will uh, get you calm, peaceful, feeling good, feeling happy. Uh, There was a lot of studies uh, done by a man named Sean Archer on essentially stimulating people into happy states and seeing what what it would do to the results. And um, people solve problems at, you know, 100 percent faster rate. And, and I don't quote me on the exact numbers, but I'm, I'm giving you sure. the, the basis of it. it. It is a it is just known that when you go into a flow state, which is essentially like this un, unrestricted, peaceful, no resistant state, like when you go into those states, you have these incredible boosts in your confidence in your creativity, in your resourcefulness, your ability to interact, your ability to uh, open up to new information, to take disparate concepts and make them work together. There's just a tremendous positive impact when someone decides to take on a more enlightened framework. And if you look at the dictionary definition of enlightenment, it essentially means modern, rational, well-informed outlook. And uh, there is a very modern, rational, well-informed outlook that says we are safe and aggressive, angst-filled, anger, forceful, pride-like activities are actually no longer relevant or important to your overall safety. And so that's when I talk about enlightenment, I talk about essentially getting to a place where you recognize that you're not in a threatened state, uh, but your body doesn't know that. And so you practice getting into a place where you are completely at peace with the way that things are. So within the context of the rapid enlightenment process, which is something that I've studied with you since uh, 2016, uh, we call that, you know, the base state, the base framework is all as well, right? When you say you're, you're safe, what you're really describing is, is all as well is my hallucination. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, all is well. And and that's very that's a modern, rational, well-informed way of thinking about things. And anytime you are anytime you assess the situation to not be well, it doesn't actually have anything to do with the specifics. It has to do with your relationship to what you think the outcomes are going to be given how life is. So uh, we get attached to ideas and benefits in the future. Uh, status, uh, looking good, having money, eating food, blah, 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 all these crazy things uh, that that we all are attached to. And when you look into the future and you think that those things are not set for you, then you go into a survival state. You're essentially reacting to a figment of your imagination, puts you into different states of anxiety. And if we look at the way that most people get things done, most people get things done out of anxiety, 
uh, angst, discomfort, uh, fear that it's not going to be the way that they want. And so they are going to dominate and, and um, make life become what they want through their force and their essentially like low grade anger. Uh, so unfortunately, all of those things uh, lead to subpar results. And they lead to results that are are that that have a that take a lot more energy. It's less efficient, essentially. And so this all is well state is something it's very aspirational, something that you practice getting to over and over and over through a set of techniques that I developed called the rapid alignment process. Perfect. So when did you know that you wanted to help people actually find enlightenment or get into this particular all is well state. Was there a particular moment like in your career? Cause you outlined a very broad kind of career. Was there, was there a, an inflection point or is this something that was always going on? Yeah, that's uh, I think it, it progressed and then it, so probably progressed from uh, maybe my late twenties into my early 30s. And then when I was 36 years old, uh, I had been practicing with a Shakyapat meditation teacher named Stephen Sadlier. And we went to Tibet together and we meditated for 17 days. And when we when we did those meditations, like something unlocked. Uh, I don't think it was that moment per se. It was a, a progressive realization uh, but something unlocked and all of a sudden uh, my mind was much quieter than it ever had been, like so much so that I couldn't uh, I couldn't even make sense of it. Uh, then when I got home, instantaneously, my mind went berserk again. And the contrast was incredibly stark. It was like peace and joy and flow and then angst and concern and worry and doubt and fear. And so, you know, somewhere in that 36 zone I just said like this, I have to figure out how to switch my life to be teaching more of this so that I could be living more of it. And yeah, when I got home, I started doing meditation retreats and uh, mental journey to millions events. And those events were specifically designed to help people to get into these states again and designed to help me get into those states again. So you're, you're like your own like test subject. That's one thing that you've always mentioned is the masterminds that we participate in. It's essentially you're doing them for you and then you're bringing people along for the ride. Yeah. I think of myself as the enlightenment crash test dummy. And, <laughs> and I don't know why this lifetime my mind has gone completely quiet. I don't know why exactly. And I don't know why it impacts people so massively uh, but when I get in rooms with people or I uh, get on Zooms, rooms or Zooms, people's minds go quiet and it's very beneficial. They, you know, people really enjoy it and appreciate it. And it's really driven me to uh, harvest more of that benefit, not only for myself, but for others. I think people sometimes have a misperception of what intentional means. So, you know, the name of this podcast is The Intentional Soul and it almost with intentional, it's almost like, what's the one thing I'm supposed to be doing? And when I, you know, when I, when I look at your life, I've seen various periods, you know, where you were extremely intentional in different directions. So from, from your earlier days of, of straight coaching into you reinvented yourself uh, into this mindset kind of, uh, kind of uh, guru, and then effectively renounced 
that uh, that mindset, uh, the, the mindset guru, uh, and devoted yourself in raising consciousness, uh, reinvent yourself publicly as a spiritual teacher, taking a stand for enlightenment, taking a stand for enlightened prospect, enlightened prosperity. And now there's this like shift back towards embracing some of these older uh, parts of yourselves as well. Like, yeah. will you talk a little bit about like flexibility and adaptability as it relates to, to living intentionally or hell, what does even intentional mean to you? Well, I would love to pretend that I was the director of my intentionality, but it does not appear to be that way. My mind wants to take responsibility for everything that I do. Uh, I, I do do a lot of things that are really, really positive and productive and, and um, celebratory. And my mind, is, my mind is constantly saying like, hey, look at how good we are, right? We, <laughs> you, Matthew, and me, uh, your mind. Uh, look at look at how look at how good I am. It would probably say, but that I, I find that I am uh, because my mind is quiet. I'm able to uh, to reduce the number of opposing intentions that are driving my behavior, and the opposing intentions appear to be like old hereditary information, like. Uh, Greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, lazy, resistance, right? Those are all something in my methodology we call hidden motives. Like those things oppose my current set of intentions, like who I want to be, how I want to operate, what my, what my goals and dreams are that are coming through me. And so as my mind has gone quiet, more and more of those opposing intentions have cleared away. And what that's done is given me a lot more flexibility in I have this intention that's been coming through me, uh, which you are a big part of, which is to research consciousness, utilizing uh, a proprietary muscle testing consensus mechanism that I've created. And you have been a, a collaborator in that process with me and, and really helped me to hone and refine it. For a long time, when I made the uh, the declaration that I was going to be a spiritual teacher, for a long time, it felt like if I was going to be that, then I couldn't necessarily be the um, productivity focused teacher that I am. And I tend to I literally live in both those worlds. Like I'm a huge fan, fanatic about being really, really productive, but in a super contrarian way. I don't, um, I don't believe in the toxic masculine masculinity style of productivity where you just beat the shit out of yourself until you get things done. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in flow and ease and grace and peace is my productivity style, which by the way, fits perfectly with the enlightened frameworks. So I had been a little conflicted I recently got the Center for Rapid Enlightenment up and running, uh, and we've begun to do some basic research. We've begun to uh, practice our muscle testing consensus mechanism and the scientific evidence-based research. And all of a sudden, it's opened me up now to really embrace this idea, the mental journey to millions. So it's like, I've made millions doing this. I've helped Thousands of people make their millions using their mind to shift the way that they relate to things so that they could be more productive. 
And I think that that's a phenomenal contribution to bring, and I'm inspired by it. So is it is it intentional? It's intentional because when I get inspired, I follow that I follow that feeling and I put my intention on it and I'm clear and I write things out and I'm very deliberate about creating visions and creating uh, um, intentions of what it is that the results I would like to see happen in the world. What's a easy way for someone to, to craft like a, like an intention. This is just popping off the top of my head, not part of a set of questions that I, that I had for you. However, that little nugget at the end that you're very intentional, that you, that you create visions, that you craft things. And that's how you, uh, how you relate to being intentional. Uh, is there a, a fast bullet point or two you could share with anybody listening on how to do that effectively? I think there's no right way or wrong way to do it. What I do find is that we we often, all of us, uh, naturally feel compelled to include what we don't want as a qualifier inside of what we do want. And I mean, found- example, that, that's a really, really important. So it's like I'm committed to helping my son stop being such a stressed out jerk. That I'm basically pointing to the thing that I don't want. Mm-hmm. And um, while that qualifier is part of my motivational strategy for why I'm why I have the intention, it doesn't clarify what it is that I actually want. I'm committed to being someone who supports my son in being uh, at least happy and and neutral and satisfied. Right. Whatever that is. I just made those words. Sure. up, But. Essentially, uh, you have to, you don't have to do anything, but it's effective to be intentional about the outcome that you're trying to produce. I have an entire methodology that people can look up on, on YouTube called enlightened goal setting. And enlightened goal setting takes into account that everything that you say you want Every, every outcome, every goal, every dream, every intention that you have is actually just an experience generator. And that if you can get clear about what experience you're trying to have, then the outcome, the actual result is not all that important. And you asked about the flexibility that I have. And the flexibility that I have comes from this idea that we're really looking for the experience So the outcome of the activity is actually secondary. The experience is primary. And if you get focused on the kind of experience that you are trying to have in life, then you're much more flexible and open and creative and resourceful in having that experience occur. Plus, as your desire for experience changes, then you it's it's almost easier to notice, oh, what I'm really seeking is this next experience and then shift whatever, you know, shift whatever the goal is. And it is to say, well, I have to close a million dollars in business or whatever it is. And then, and then come off that, even though, even though you may have shifted and that's actually not what's going to produce the experience you want. It's easier when you're focused on the experience to be flexible about the thing that you're ultimately uh, going after what you hallucinate is going to get you there. I have sort of inadvertently helped many, 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 many people make millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I guess it was my intention, 
but really my intention was that they were happy, satisfied, and productive in their process. And I tend to attract really high-powered people who have um, a lot of bandwidth for making money. And the way that I assist them is not through understanding their business. It's not through trying to get them to find new lines of business. The way I assist them is helping them to understand the experience that they want is already here and no more money is necessary. And when they get into that detached state, like, oh, no more money is necessary, but they're already a part of a system that they create. They already have a business or a, right, they belong to a company or something. Well, then all of a sudden their, their productivity, their clarity, their, their chutzpah, their personal power just spikes and it tends to lead to a tremendous amount of money making, but it's an inverse equation. It's not like do more to make more. It's like recognize you're already there. And the moment you recognize you're already there, then the things that you do are out of want to versus have to. If you look at your life, like in, in total, maybe from, from adult professional uh, life, is what you're doing now with your life, is there a part of you that knew this is some version of this was how it was going to be, or is this wildly different than anything you would have imagined for yourself? Well, when I was a kid, I imagined that I was going to be a rock star. And in my, in my thirties, I had one of my friends uh, just look me in the eye and just said like, when are you going to stop bitching about this? Like I wanted to be a rock star thing. And, and, uh, and like, I didn't even know what he was talking about. I was like, I'm not a rock star and it sucks. And I was supposed to be one. And he just looked at me right in the eye and he said, you are a rock star, you jackass. You're a rock star that makes a difference. You're on stage with thousands of people on a regular basis. What are you talking about? And so my vision turned out to be an or something better. And I didn't know that. I don't know if the enlightened perspectives that are coming through me would have had a structure or a place in the world if I would have been, uh, you know, the singer songwriter that I, that I am. Right. So I am a singer songwriter and I am a, I don't sing as much anymore, but I am a writer producer for sure. I don't think, I don't think that those would have a place. So I think what happened for me, like how I contextualize it is I'm living the, or something better. Ah, Will you describe or something better for, for listeners? That's not, that's not sure. a concept they've probably heard of. Yeah. So what I have found in supporting people in achieving their goals for 30 years now, how did I get so old? 30 years <laughs> I have been supporting people in achieving their goals. And in that process, more than 10,000 coaching clients that are either done in like individual coaching or um, like two, three, four people at once kind of thing not my group coaching. That's, that's different than be a lot more. What I've learned is that our goals are these uh, inspirations that are coming through. So you are the goal manifesting. So it's not a goal that you have. You don't have a goal. You are the goal. And the quieter your mind is, the clearer the information is that's coming through you. And But most people's minds are not that quiet. And so the ideas that you have get jumbled up with all of your survival information. So it's like there's a thriving 
clear idea coming through you, but that information gets filtered through greed and pride and looking good. And I feel, you know, and I'm nobody and I'm a nothing and, and all of your insecurities and all of that stuff. And so then it comes out and it's sort of like this, like the goals that, that most people have are goals that are like clumps of goodness covered in slimy survival bullshit. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way, but you're helping me clarify. And so when your goal does manifest, it's it usually. So first of all, there's no bad goals. There's just bad deadlines. Mm -hmm. When it does manifest, it usually is a different version than this slimy thing. Like I'm going to look good and I'm going to be amazing and people are going to love me and I'm going to be celebrated and I vote and I will feel accomplished and all of this stuff. Like I just want you to know, like none of those things actually make you feel good at all. <laughs> they all leave a huge hole in your soul. And to be clear, like this is from the perspective of someone who who coaches billionaires and has coached people to be in that realm. And in that space, it's still the case. I have two billionaires that I that I'm currently coaching. They and one became a billionaire during the time of our coaching. Uh, the other guy was already there. And then I have a couple other guys that I've coached that became billionaires in my process. It wasn't because of me, you know, they did the work, but what I found is that they climb to the top of the mountain, they get up there and they're like, "Ugh, right? Like, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And the reason being is our goals and dreams get so covered up in the survival goo that isn't really real today. Like there's for the, the person who's watching or listening to this with us now, Tom, like, they're interested in, in peace and joy and being intentional with their soul. And they, they think about what a soul is, right? That there's nothing survival about that. Mm -mm. And yet their goals and dreams get so jammed up inside of, of survivability. So when we say, or something better coming all the way back, the, or something better is really, it's really the, likely a, a a more clear version of the actual intention is getting expressed and hopefully it you cleared off some of the survival lies so rockstar has pride and adoration and validation in it and what i do today while i i have those things they seem so irrelevant and trivial to me like doesn't matter. Whereas in the rock star mode, it really matters. Am I being validated for the song that I just played? Do people like it? Do they care? And that's certainly in my business uh, and in the way that I operate. Uh, but it is like second, third, fourth, fifth. Right? Like, so it's way down there because like, do people get results? Did I accomplish the goal that I set out to provide the value that I wanted to provide? That is primary. So that's what I mean by or something better. I don't know if I explained it right. No, I, it's uh, it's perfect. I love the the getting gunked up. I, I always call it like your intention, the thing that you want, the thing that you are, it, like it's wrapped in a survival burrito. So you've got your you've got your gunks covered survival bullshit. I'm like, let's let's wrap it in a survival tortilla. <laughs> yep. And then Dude. what happens is if your intention is wrapped in survival, 
then your intention becomes um, something that is imperative. And if it's imperative, like if you experience angst around your goals, then your goal has got a survival wrapper around it. If you experience inspiration and freedom and creativity and, and wonder and curiosity, and it's, you know, it's not like goals all, are always coming true, but when goals aren't coming true and you're like scratching your head, huh, this is interesting. That's a totally different experience that when your goals aren't coming true, you're like, right? like <laughs> those produce totally different kinds of results. And while the anger and the force and the hostility will certainly um, produce results. Uh, in the end, it it produces results that aren't sustainable. Yeah, and for someone who's listening to a podcast like this or watching a video like this, it's not the end state that they're seeking. It works great for a lot of the other a lot of the other people in the world. For somebody who's interested yeah. in this, it, it's not exactly that. And I want to put yeah, but, wanna... for, but for our viewer or listener, it's very likely that you have goals that you're attached to. And what there is to do is to release your attachment and, and recognize that attachment is essentially an imaginary, it's like the, an exaggerated fear of losing an imaginary benefit. And the exaggeration means that the fear and the angst and the upset is, is overblown. It's inappropriate for the situation. And the benefit that you think you, you're going to get is some survival benefit like you're going to you're going to be rich so you don't have to worry about money anymore blah 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 and that is an absolute lie like the richer you are the more you think about money the more you think about money the more angst and anxiety you have yep the uh real fast for the, for the listener when we talk about like an imperative it's things like when you relate to your goals your intentions or whatever and if there is anywhere in there a must, a should, a have to, a need to, like those are triggers and those are those are kind of what we're describing as as imperatives. And it's a it's a telltale sign that you're hallucinating survival somewhere in a world that's not trying to kill you. So give me an example of where you've had to drawn like courage or, or faith, like that leap of uh, like leap of faith kind of moments that I, I know you've had a number of them. Would you share one of them uh, with us uh, here real quick. Well, in, you know, 2006, when my mind went quiet, I came back from Tibet and I told my entire staff uh, who was in the sales training business with me, I said, we're doing a meditation retreat. And they were like, we don't even know what that is. And I was like, that's, that's fine. We're doing it anyway. And that was like a huge transition, a huge leap of faith there. I, I don't think there was any courage involved, to be honest with you. Uh, because there was no concern for whether it would work or not. And if it didn't work, I was totally fine with it um, because it was just an experiment. Uh, I think just in general, by the way, it did work. We sold the event out and we didn't even, we just sent out one email and we had like 280 people sign up. I don't experience courage anymore, Tom, mm -hmm. uh, because courage means that you're feeling the fear and you're doing it anyway. And I think every once in a while, my body experiences fear, right? I'll notice the anxiety, that kind of thing. Um, and you and I like spend a lot of time examining the body and the consciousness using the muscle testing consensus process. Mm -hmm. But when your mind goes quiet, your fear disappears. And when your fear disappears, 
uh, you become much more scientific. And that is generally my mode is, is like, all right, well, we have no idea if this will work or not. Let's conduct an experiment and see if it does. And then we design the experiment the best that we can. And then we follow through with the experiment the best that we can. Uh, I would say, you know, generally, I'm not the greatest at following all the way through on an experiment. I'm much more of a, I'm much more of like a idea and then uh, execute kind of guy. I'm not much of a finalizer. Uh, so I've had to surround myself with finalizing type people uh, who could, who can take it all the way. In general, just to go back to the idea, courage is what you need before your mind goes quiet. So the quieter your mind goes, the less you experience fear, the more willing you are to, to take whatever risk. And then your contextual framework is you're running experiments, gathering, gathering feed, feedback, and then making, and making adjustments, you know, moving forward or disregarding. Yes, sir. Awesome. So you talked about the mental journey to millions, bringing that back to the public. What is the mental journey to millions and what can we expect from it? Well, at this moment, we haven't figured out exactly how we want to, to um, deliver this body of work to people. Uh, but the mental journey to millions is going to be an, a, a, essentially a body of work that takes on who you're being as a person so that you can double, triple, quadruple your income. Uh, you can do it in less time, maybe working uh, 80% less or 20% less, whatever works for you, and to do it without having to uh, burden yourself with a complete reconfiguration of your life and your business and all of that stuff. And so there's there's an entire methodology about how to operate as a human being that creates this essentially opportunity consciousness. And so my goal is to bring that back into the world and, you know, to really upgrade it with all the things that I've learned. I mean, the last time I did this was 2000 and, uh, 2006, actually. Uh, 2006 was the last time we really fully did the mental journey to millions. Uh, and I've learned a lot since then, you know, almost going broke and uh, building my wealth back up and then getting divorced and getting, you know, uh, losing all my wealth, going completely upside down in my uh, in my wealth proposition and then, you know, reversing it again and, you know, having some huge wins and windfalls, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's been a wild, amazing ride. And all along the way, I've been, you know, sort of knocked off my rocker several times in, uh, financially and then use the method to recover quickly and to get it back, essentially. Uh, and so you've been right there by my side watching me do it since 2016. Uh, and since 2016, like that's been the, the latest sort of wave of riding up again. I've been with you since 2016. That's the first time I've ever heard opportunity consciousness, and I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, all right, lastly, someone whose mind hasn't gone quiet. Mm -hmm. If you were going to share something with someone who's, who's listening, who is in a position where maybe they're interested in taking a risk, be more of who they are. Maybe they have that itch they can't quite scratch, but there's that internal fear. Like if I open Pandora's box, what might, you know, what might happen? So there's, there's fear in that individual. If you were going to share someone, something with someone in that particular position, what would it be? to be able to, you know, give them, help them give themselves permission to step into whatever it is. 
Well, if you're curious about having your mind go quiet and being at peace, uh, there's nothing that I need to do whatsoever. It's going to basically knock on your door until until it figures out a way to get in. It <laughs> wants you. You you are an expression of peace. So uh, your fear is just a part of the process and coming up for examination. I think that the the main thing that I would recommend is that you start a practice and that the practice is to intentionally accept, accept yourself, accept situations, accept other people. So you practice total and complete acceptance of yourself, situations, and other people. And then you apply that to everyone, everywhere, all the time, in every situation, and begin to notice how much more peace and quiet you have in your mind. Peace in general is essentially a state of acceptance. So by practicing acceptance, you get the net result of more peace. Matthew, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. Everybody listening needs to go grab and read your book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life. Uh, It's an extraordinary book, and it is the framework for the rapid enlightenment process. When you read this, your mind will begin to pervasively become uh, more quiet. Thank you so much. How? What's the best way for people to find you and interface uh, with uh, with you? MatthewFerry.com, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-F-E-R-R-Y, MatthewFerry.com. That's the best way to find out what's going on with me lately. Get on my, get on my uh, newsletter. We send something out every week, ins- inspirational and informational. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you in a couple of days on a collaboration. Yes, sir. All right, this has been another episode of the Intentional Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to leave a five-star review if you found this content of value. And as always, I'm your host, Tom Ross, Master Practitioner of the Advanced Rapid Enlightenment Process and Rapid Enlightenment Process developed by Matthew Ferry. You can reach me at Tom at TomRossTalks.com and the website to engage and be a part of any classes, trainings, or sessions I have going on is www.TomRossTalks.com. Until next time, peace. Peace.